is the most demanding environment on earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Love is composed of a single soul inhabiting two bodies. Aristotle. The plan was to propose on the summit and... I was trying to convince Isabel to take a picture with me. I was like, no, no, like this is a great picture opportunity. We should totally stop here. And she was like, no, I'm freaking exhausted. I want to get down this mountain. She's like, I'm over it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of like altitude sick at this point. I'm like, am I making a, a good decision? Should we just skip it? Should I do another thing? Uh, luckily she did decide to take the picture. And uh, yeah, we have like a whole photo series of me proposing and then her falling down to the ground. I'm not sure if it was like from the altitude or because she was excited or in shock, but we'll go with it's because she was excited. <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Meerpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. This week, we are hitting the road with Operation Adventure, and we're going to log some serious miles under our tires and trail runners as we cover the whole gamut of adventure living. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Sentry and Isabel. How's it going, you two? Hello. What's up? It's going Stoked to be here. Thanks for having us. Fantastic. Now, Sentry, I have to ask, is that a trail name or is that your given name? Oh, that is my given name. I okay. wish it was the trail name. That'd be cool. 
<laughs> well, it's a fantastic trail name. That's a, that'd be a great trail name to have. <laughs> so I know you guys have, have uh, logged some trail miles out there, and there is a unique American tradition of assigning trail names to people out there. Have you, in all your adventures, have you picked up trail names? Okay, this is funny because we talk about it all the time. We have uh, not picked up a trail name. And yeah. it's almost to the point where we want it so bad that I think it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we we do more like intermittent hikes. We haven't done an actual long through hike yet. So that's where you get like the heart and that, soul of the know, trail when name. We dedicate ourselves to a through <laughs> hike that we'll pick one up. <laughs> right. Well, hey, maybe we'll discover we'll discover some trail names during the episode tonight. That's right. Yeah. Never know. Awesome. Okay, we'll be on the lookout. Now, as, as we are talking tonight, and if you're watching the YouTube video feed of this, you will see that they are calling in from a very interesting location. Describe where you are right now. Yeah, so we are actually in our um, van build. We are building this van for um, a good friend. Uh, we've kind of been dabbling in the van building business, Sentry yep. mostly. Um, but yeah, so we're in a half-finished van. Yeah. <laughs> And so are you living in that, living out of that van right now? So this no. is not the one we're living. I'm going to take over the conversation. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we actually live in a different ProMaster. This one is one that we're building for a close friend of ours. We just got done at the shop, um, which is why we were a little late. I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, okay. But so we just hopped in this van. Um, our van is like, it's um, back actually at his parents' house. We're yeah, restoring it about for two now. hours away. Yeah. Okay. And where, where are you located in the United States right now? If you are in the United States. We are yeah. in the U S currently. Um, oh, we're Alabama. in Alabama right now. Yeah. That's Al where our, our family is, is from. So, um, you know, we're trying to get this business off the ground. So we're kind of, uh, we got a good shop built like a shop, um, set up in Alabama. Yep. Okay. I thought I heard a little Alabama in your voices there. <laughs> yeah we've been in california for the last three years and i thought i'd gotten rid of most of my twang but you guess it. not you're gonna hear y'all come out every now and then <laughs> yeah love it love it hey have you two had the opportunity to listen to the podcast before yeah, yeah we, we have. have we've we've listened to a couple episodes yeah okay sure. great want to make sure that you're familiar with a segment that comes towards the end of the episode called the pro tip inside of the week that's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom out there for uh, our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So it could be trail yeah. wisdom. It could be travel wisdom, you know, whatever, whatever, you, whatever fits. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Love Sweet. it. I'll, I'll be okay. racking my brain. I got, a, I got a lot of that. <laughs> and, you know, we expect you to drop wisdom throughout the episode, but you'll still be on the hook for that official one right at the, at the very end. Okay. Save the good stuff for the end. <laughs> okay. All right. The must bring gear review. All right. Another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, outdoor vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Sentry and Isabel, what is your must bring piece of gear? And I'm always excited when I talk to a duo because we get two for the price of one. So I'm going to expect an answer from an interview on this. Okay. okay you go first. Um, if I had to pick one piece, um, it's kind of a luxury item, but it would probably be my camera pod. Uh, and it's actually made by Hyperlite. Um, so it straps right here on my chest. And 
I found that if I pack my camera deep inside my pack, I basically never use it because I get so tired on the trail that I never want to sit my pack down and like take a picture or dig the camera out to take the picture. So if I've got it strapped right here on my chest, I'll come home with thousands of pictures versus like 10 pictures. That's a good one. That's right. And if something Um, something exciting happens on the trail in the moment, I mean, you don't have the time to dig through your pack and and get it, right? It's right there on your chest. Yeah, like you see an animal or something, like you want to have quick access. So it's that's like a key piece of equipment for me. That's a good one. Um, Okay, let's see. What was my, I, I think I, oh yeah. Um, so I would have a good water filter. Um, that would be mine. Cause I've actually gotten Giardia twice, uh, once in Africa and once in South America. And, um, so I think <laughs> mine would have to be like a good, uh, reputable water filter. <laughs> okay. And Isabel does Giardia. Does it live up to the hype? Is it, is it everything? It's all, it's, it's, it's all cracked up to be. So that's actually, there is a good story with that one. Um, cause I got it in Africa and we, it was a whole thing. Um, it is everything it is cracked up to be. I had to go to the hospital, um, in Greece, which is where we traveled onward. Um, and then when I was in South America, I actually had to deal with it for my entire trip. Uh, cause we couldn't change like our backpacking permit plans and stuff. So, um, it, anyway, it's all it's hyped up to be. It comes out of both ends. I'm so sorry. You probably don't want to hear that but, um, it's, it's pretty hard to keep your, your hydration up, but I was having a good time. So, you know, you just got to push through in the moment. <laughs> it aggressively comes out of both ends. It's <laughs> relentless. <laughs> He's still married to me. Don't worry though. <laughs> nice. So you two are married. Very good. We are married. <laughs> and I just have to say, just to follow up on the, on that little bit of a story there, that if you get Giardia in Africa and you end up going to the hospital in Greece, it, it has to be all it's, it's, it's hyped up to be. I mean, that's, that's quite the yeah, distance. Was, there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It it uh it ran its course until it put me down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was scary there for a bit. <laughs> I was I was wondering how you were gonna finish that sentence. It ran its course until uh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, until there was nothing else to give. And yeah, I was... yeah, I mean she's a little stubborn, so she held off going to the hospital <laughs> until like she literally couldn't walk anymore. <laughs> So it, it's kind of a funny story. We actually, it was probably like what, two in the morning. Oh, I don't know. We were, we were in, I mean, this is, do you even want to hear it? Do you want to hear the story? It's kind of Absolutely. Story. The listeners, the listeners want to hear this story. Okay. Let me just give you kind of like the quick version. So, um, I was in Africa climbing Kilimanjaro. Um, I got Giardia. He met me in, uh, Egypt and I had started to feel sick in Egypt and was having some symptoms, um, but nothing too bad yet. Yeah. Uh, and then we flew to Greece. We had, we booked this trip after knowing each other for two months. Yeah. Um, so we're across Very the country, early in the super early in the relationship <laughs> and we're in the most romantic place in the world. We're on the Island of Santorini. And I, I mean, let's just say, I mean, like both ends, like he carried me to the bathroom all throughout anyway so we won't go into those details but um lots of things happened until um i said finally you need to take me to the hospital it's like 2 a.m on santorini it's a side season so the whole island's not even open googling a um hospital and we had rented a little moped because we thought that'd be cute and romantic like a little motorcycle so that's what we were driving um so he had to carry me strap me on to the motorcycle hold my arms. Cause I'm just dead weight at this point. Yeah. And he had to drive me to the hospital, which happened to be right 
next door. Yeah. So he could have thrown me over a fence yeah. and gotten there quicker. <laughs> it would quicker. have actually been much easier to just push her over the <laughs> fence than to like throw her across the scooter and drive around the island to the hospital. So, so it's it really is. Yeah. It's a longer story than that. I mean, even in the hospital, there was a whole language barrier issue. And um, and yeah. they, they had to call in the one doctor to, that yeah. lived on the island. So it was it was that it was, was a whole ordeal whole thing. But I did get better. And I'm super thankful for those doctors and nurses. Yeah. <laughs> And, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. a lot of information there. I have a, I have a few follow-up questions. Okay. okay. Was there a trail behind the moped? Is there a trail? <laughs> no. If there had been a trail behind the moped, I don't know if the relationship would have lasted that much longer. <laughs> that would have been a little bit too much to handle that early on. But uh, We were close to that, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were close. Luckily, the hospital was only like a few blocks away on the moped. Yeah. Because I mean, legit, she was dead weight. Like I was like a sack of potatoes Holding. over the moped, one hand driving it around an island that I had never been on in my life at like 2 a.m. So it was quite the scene if you were there for it. Yeah. So Century, at this point, you are fully invested. I mean, you've you put more into this relationship at two months than you know a lot of people go through in you know a decade. So yeah, I mean, this must be true love. True yeah, love. I mean, it, it had to be because i mean i'm still here so I, I imagine it can't get much worse <laughs> i hope you know we have we have a few different sections in our discussion points and i've got them labeled you know it's kind of the love story your aspect your relationship how you met and then you know the life of adventure and kind of what's yeah. next for you guys and uh we've already we've already started upon we already embarked <laughs> upon the the love story aspect of this and and what a way to start with a story of giardia I know that's how they all go, right? It's not just me. Yeah, truly, we're not the ones. <laughs> Love at first poop. I'm sorry, I said it. I said it. There you go. It came out nice. <laughs> all right. Hey, I love talking about gear on the podcast. Even if even if you are not long trail through hikers, I mean, you you guys have had some time out on the trail, and I'd love to hear people's opinions uh, about gear. And to help us with that, we've got. It's the hiking pole. That's right. It's the hiking pole. And if you're wondering who that voice is, that's my that's my youngest daughter, Half Calf, uh, who oh, helps out no. with the titles. She is really she's not British or or Australian or South African. <laughs> she just likes to put on that nice accent. And you'll see as we go through the episode here that accent kind of evolves until I'm not sure exactly what it is. But hey, well, uh, shout out to Half Calf. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's a <laughs> great podcast it. voice. <laughs> nice. So I've got seven questions for you and it's a little play on words, right? Hiking pole. It's not the kind you hold in your hand. It's actually like a survey pole, P-O-L-L. Okay. Okay. I think that's kind of clever. And I love the fact that when I explain that there's no reaction from the guests. So you, you, kept, <laughs> it, you kept with that tradition. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I have seven questions. Oh, the hiking pole. <laughs> nice. That was the appropriate reaction. Thank you, Isabel. You're welcome. <laughs> and you know what? I just thought of this. There, there's a name in that poop story. There's a trail name in that poop story somewhere, but you have the right to refuse. You have your, you have the right to refuse a trail name that you don't like. So I'm excited. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll simmer on it. Simmer, let it simmer. All right. So I've got seven questions for you. And these seven questions are going to help me put you on a scale from one to a hundred in terms of how sane or how crazy you are. 100 is completely sane. And I can tell you right now, you're not going to get that. Just already from my from my conversation, and uh, one is completely bonkers. All right. Okay. Okay. And 
we'll see how your questions vary from each other. You may get the same score as a couple, or you may vary enough that I have to give you separate scores. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's All right. First one's easy. Trekking poles or no trekking poles on the trail? No. Yeah, I'm a trekking pole person. No. <laughs> oh, I cannot. I, I'm going to have to keep a tally for each of you here. Okay. <laughs> She's like the most anti-trekking pole person. I'm I've not anti-trekking pole. I just <laughs> do not like them personally. I think they're very helpful, um, but not for me. And what? why is that? Do you, you think you, you, uh, look, you look, could you look more awkward with trekking poles than you did with Giardia trying to get to the hospital? honestly i could have used those trekking poles trying to get to the hospital (laughs) um no i i really prefer um using my hands like if i need it and i get the whole downhill knee like problem and stuff but i actually don't get pain in my knees i get them in my hips um which trekking poles probably would help with that but i just i don't know my balance is better and i could use them and I'm, i'm sure i would get used to them but um i don't i don't i just don't really like them okay and Sentry, you obviously find them useful and you're not uh, not afraid to use them. Yeah, definitely not afraid to use them. I'm not like uh, over ambitious with them, but, you know, going up <laughs> and downhill, I definitely utilize them. Yeah, I mean, they're, you, you mentioned, Isabel, they're good for the knees going downhill, but I find them really helpful going uphill because it's almost like, you know, you when you plant that you're you're and you pull on, it's like pulling on a railing. It's like the the mountain yeah, the mountain path has, has a railing on it. Yeah, I mean, I do get that, but again, for me, it's like, I like to be able to use my hands to go up. And also I really like to have like like a quick photo op thing. Like I'm a phone photo person, but I like to have my hand like boom photo and then back. Like I like to be able to use my hands. Boom boom photo is also another great trail name. Boom photo. Got it. That's great. And her little, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you're really missing out because you know, her, her, her hand motions and her, her, her mannerisms, classic. You, you need to, if you're listening to this on Apple podcasts or Spotify, pause it right now, go over to the YouTube feed and uh, enjoy it that way. <laughs> okay. <I'm- laughs> Next question, boots or trail runners? You go first. Um, it depends on the terrain for me. If it's like super, super rocky, I kind of prefer boots. Most of the time, it's trail runners, though. And yeah, that's a that's um, a pretty sane answer. Depends depends on the on the terrain. How about you, Isabel? Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty exclusively a boots person, but I have not done like a longer trail, and I am open to trail runners on a longer trail. I definitely get that. Okay. Now I just have to let you know, Century has not lost any points at this at this. Uh, you're saying point so in the trekking pole he's pretty sane he's pretty sane other than the fact there's an automatic there's an automatic point deduction for hanging out with giardia girl but uh yeah isabel isabel you've you've lost some points and we'll we'll see how that continues okay here we go your your uh preferred shelter system tent tarp bivy hammock or cowboy camping uh, I'm mostly a tent person. I've slept in a hammock a few times, but I can nap very well in it, but I never sleep for the full night very well. Sentry, that is the best answer ever. I have said the same thing many times. I take the best naps in a hammock. No way I can yeah. sleep a complete night in a hammock. 
yeah, I move too much during my sleep. So every time I like, I want to go to one side or my back or then the other side and you can't sleep really on your side in a hammock. So for the whole night, it just doesn't work for me. Okay. How about you, Isabel? And Isabel, you're going to go first on the next question. You, you keep, you keep making sentry go first. You're, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tent for me, tent all the way. <laughs> I like hammocks, but, um, uh, ever since we've, I mean, we've been together, like I would hammock single, but especially double tent for sure. Yeah. Okay. And is that what you guys bring? You bring one single tent for the both of you to sleep in? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. It's not two single tents, not two single person tents side by side. It's a, a two person tent. Well, I mean, it, it depends on, you know, how the day at home was going before we left for the trail, but <laughs> usually we share a tent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or if there's any Giardia involved, I might have my own tent. Sentry, you were wise beyond your years, sir. <laughs> Got a 100. <laughs> I'm going for the purpose. All right. Isabel, Isabel, your first year. Okay. Your preferred sleeping system, sleeping bag or quilt? Okay. Um, sleeping bag. Um, I've never tried a quilt, but I'm also a chronically freezing person. Um, so I feel like the sleeping bag is for me. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've never tried a quilt either. Um, so yeah, I don't really have any experience with the quilt. So I've only used a sleeping bag. Okay. All right. Good answers. And this next question, big possible point deduction here. This is a dangerous question, depending on how you answer. So here we go. How about when it comes to food? Are you guys stove people, cold soak, or stoveless? I feel like we can answer this one together. Yeah, it's you ready? One, yeah. two, three. Stove. Stove, stove all the way. <laughs> we, we've never tried any other option. He's really upset <laughs> that I just made him do that together. Yeah, you were way too excited about that. Um, yeah, we haven't really ventured into cold soaking at all. And then uh, like stoveless seems kind of like absurd to me, but I guess some people are into that. I feel like we're doing very generic answers for people who haven't done like a long trail. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. I think okay. it's always interesting like, to get the perspective uh, from people, uh, you know, about these kinds of things who, who maybe have not done a long trail. You know, we're, I, I, I venture to say that yeah. most of our listeners are not people who have done a long trail. I mean, we, we talked to a number of people who have done sure. long trails, but, yeah. you know, your average person out there has not. I mean, who has that kind of time? Right. I, of course, I'm talking to the people who just spent a month in Patagonia. So <laughs> who has that kind of time? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Last question. When you, okay. when you pack your bag, do you pack for, for comfort or for speed? Comfort. Yeah. Mostly comfort. <laughs> Me. Um, especially with photography. Like I love to pack all of my lenses in there mm. just in case you want to get like a particular kind of shot. So, I mean, I'm carrying almost 12 pounds of camera gear alone before I add any of my actual backpacking equipment. So definitely. 
and we also we also like really love um like we backpack i mean again this is not knocking anybody's like experience in backpacking but we backpack to enjoy the views um and we have an experience like doing that long trail where you're kind of like going through some days where you have to um you just got to do it yeah um so all of our trips have been we want to enjoy this um we're doing it to see you know wherever we are uh rather than we need to knock it out type of thing yeah Okay. Really well done guys. That was a very interesting hiking poll. Let me use some quick math here. We're going to carry the four and divide by the square root of two multiplied by pi and adjust for the height of Mount Whitney. And uh, Isabel, you, you come out with uh, an 85, 85, which is a really high score. That's pretty, you know, generally, generally there's an automatic 20 point deduction for our long trail through hikers. So they, the highest they could get is 80. So you're, you're already above them. 85. All right. And then Century, I apologize, but there was a two point deduction just based on the Giardia story and uh, you okay. uh, having her on the back of the motorcycle and still still being there. So that it's a it's the highest score ever on the podcast. A 98. Congratulations. Nice. He's so sane. I don't know if that's a good thing. Though. I want to be a little crazy. Yeah, he is. Don't worry. <laughs> but I'll take the record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. We want to hear about your backgrounds, where each of you grew up, kind of what kind of sports and hobbies you were involved in growing up, and then how did you get involved in the outdoor adventure cult? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, I'll take it since I keep putting it to you. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, I grew up playing soccer my entire life. Like that was my life. It was my identity. I went to college, got college paid for played division one soccer. Um, that was my, literally my identity. Um, and Isabel, then I knew, I knew you were a soccer player. I could tell I have, I have what? three soccer, <laughs> soccer playing kids and I, I, I could, I, so I got the vibe. I got the soccer vibe from you. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that. Cause it is, I mean, you can, you can spot them. I feel like <laughs> if you know it, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever follow, if you've um, seen so that, funny. it was a Twitter account or, uh, I think it was a Twitter account. It was, it was, uh, bleeped out of course, but it's, it's shit. Soccer players say, Oh, for sure. <laughs> you see that with the, with the two girls. I think the two girls ran the, ran the account oh, and, yeah. and, and then they're, oh, the, they're hilarious. Yeah. There's so many of those. Oh yeah. I love them. And they're yeah. all so relevant too. Yeah. Accurate, right? Awesome. Accurate as, as they are you can 100% be. 100% accurate. accurate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you watched Ted Lasso? Um, it's so funny because, uh, no, I haven't. No. Oh, you guys, you guys need to watch Ted Lasso. Find a way. It's on Apple TV. I know a lot of people don't have Apple TV, but it is well worth your time, especially if you are a soccer fan. Okay, and, well, and, I'm going to have to watch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, you, if you've heard the premise before. Have you heard, have you, do you know what the show's about? No, okay. not at all. So we're gonna, we're gonna diverge a little bit here from the story. I apologize. Maybe maybe our listeners will like this. Maybe not. I don't know. But Ted Lasso is about this uh, English Premier Soccer League uh, team, who the owners are going through a divorce, right? And the wife gets the team in the divorce, and she knows that her <laughs> husband, her now her ex husband, uh, loves nothing more than the soccer team. So it's her. It's her uh, mission to destroy the soccer team. So she immediately fires the coach and she hires a guy by the name of Ted Lasso, 
who is a division two football coach that just won the division two football championship in America and brings him over to be the, the head coach of a premier league soccer team, even though he knows nothing about the sport of soccer. And Ted Lasso is Mr. Positivity teamwork. Nothing gets him down. And, uh, it's just his approach and his impact on the team. It is, it is like the feel good story of, of, of the year. So just uh, tune in. It's a lot of fun to watch. And if you're a soccer fan, you'll appreciate it. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So where were we? I apologize. What what were we talking about? Your background. Uh, background. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, once I graduated college, I mean, that was just, that was it for me with soccer as it goes. Um, so I tried to kind of turn my energy into something else. And that ended up being that outdoors. Um, and I started with backpacking and then, you know, we'll talk about it later, I guess, but I met him and then we got into rock climbing, um, and then mountaineering a little bit. So I just kind of like snowballed into all these different activities and it kind of focused that energy of, um, competitiveness, but also like the love of the outdoors. Um, it kind of just all honed in together and, uh, cultivated this kind of like adventure loving life. (laughs) Yeah. Other than soccer, did you have any kind of outdoor experiences? Was camping part of your, your life growing up with, uh, with your parents? Yeah. So it actually was not at all, (laughs) not even a little bit. My first camping trip was, um, with some girlfriends. It was actually for my birthday. Um, we did like a glamping trip. Uh, we went to like a uh, state park. It was in college and we went to the state park. We had a cooler full of beer, you know, the usual and a guitar. And just me and my girlfriends were out there glamping as they say. And that was my first experience. And, um, I mean, I, I slept in a hammock and I loved it. And I was like, we gotta, we gotta figure out how to do more of this. Um, so that kind of started my, my camping experience, which is funny because I was a late bloomer, but now I love it. Like all we do is sleep in a van or outdoors. <laughs> How many stories out there have started with a, uh, a cooler full of beers and a guitar? I mean, <laughs> so much promise in that. So many, all the stories. <laughs> all right. How about you, Sentry? Uh, yeah. So I'm from a much smaller town. We actually grew up about two hours away from each other. Um, it's called Piedmont, Alabama. And You know, I kind of had the small town life, played mostly ball sports growing up. And then in the background, I was always riding motorcycles, Uh, never super competitively, but uh, just kind of as a hobby and we would race occasionally. And then once I got to high school, um, I kind of had to make a decision on where I wanted to dedicate my time. So I started racing pretty much full time instead of playing ball sports. And that's what I did all the way until college. Um, Once I got to college, though, I had a few injuries racing that, you know, once you're in college, you kind of have to be a little more responsible. So showing up to my classes with like a broken arm or collarbone wasn't really acceptable anymore. I couldn't take good notes. So (laughs) I ended up giving up racing and um, my parents actually booked me a rappelling slash like climbing trip for Christmas, my freshman year of college and went on that. And I was almost instantly hooked on it. I had 
really no experience with the outdoors prior to that. And like the first time that you drop off a cliff was like the ultimate adrenaline rush for me. And it, it for me, it was like a natural transition from racing to climbing and rappelling. And yeah, I actually made friends with the guy that took us. He took me climbing uh, one time after that. And then I was just hooked. I bought all the- He completely taught himself from YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bought all the gear like a week later and just started YouTubing everything like crazy, which really isn't the way you should learn. You no. should probably hire somebody to teach you or like find a friend that climbs. But I mean, in Piedmont, there's not a lot of options for people who climb. So I just worked with what I had. Well, I mean, YouTube, what, what a fantastic resource. I mean, how many people, I mean, in our daily lives- how often do we yeah. reference YouTube to find out the solution to something? How do, how do I change this headlight oh. in my car? How do I get this piece yeah. off? Right. Yeah. Every day for me now. That's right. Even That's right. Climbing, I mean, there's so many little like technical aspects that, you know, you think you've got it mastered, but you know, there'll be this one thing that you're not sure about. And <laughs> you, you know, somebody out there has made a video on it at least once. That's right. Now, Century, I've got some questions for you, some follow-up questions. Okay. Number one, do you think you think maybe there was some kind of sub subliminal message to your parents getting you some kind of gift that causes you to climb over cliffs? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I, I don't think I was that much of a disappointment to my parents, but I mean, you <laughs> might be on to something. I've never thought about it that way until yeah. now. That's good. Just a question. Just a question that came up in my mind. So actually, so side, so side note, um, here I am taking over. Uh, sorry about that, but they did tell me, um, that they got him that gift and did not know that was going to stick. Like they did oh, not yeah. want that to stick. They thought it would be a one and done, yeah. um, fun gift. And they, uh, they don't regret it now, but they say they had no idea. Well, I don't think they realized what it would spiral into that. <laughs> I, you know, it would take me across the country and like, you know, just bigger and bigger ambitions with climbing goals. So they had no idea that I would venture outside of Alabama with any type of climbing. You think maybe they're in counseling now telling their counselor, you know, I, we gave him that gift of uh, rock climbing and, and now he's living in a van. Yeah. yeah. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> hey, another question I have is tell us, tell us, tell us a story of your worst injury in racing. Mm. Mm. You know, I had a lot of crashes that looked like they should have hurt me a lot. And uh, the worst crash I ever had, though, injury-wise, was in my backyard. I had, like, <laughs> these tiny jumps that me and my dad had thrown together. I mean, it might have been, like, a 20-foot jump, like nothing crazy. And, uh, yeah, I ended up shifting into neutral, flipped over the handlebars, and then the bike hit me. Uh, it broke my right leg and my collarbone and gave me a concussion all at the same time. But I was riding by myself, which is like the number one no-no. And um, so I was like stuck underneath the bike for like a solid 20 minutes, half hour, before my mom realized that like she didn't hear the motorcycle anymore. So she instantly runs outside, like we have to call the ambulance. It was a whole ordeal. <laughs> then I was like wheelchair bound my junior year of high school. And yeah, it was an issue. <laughs> wow. Well, and, but you proved the statistics correct though. You've heard that statistic that, you know, all, all major accidents happen within two miles of someone's home. You were actually yeah, in the backyard. 
Yeah, I was as close as you could get. <laughs> All right. And also, if you don't mind, and you can tell me to mind my own business, but if you don't mind, I'd love to know where your parents came up with the name Sentry. It's a very unique name. Yeah, no, it is for sure. Um, I wish there was this crazy cool story that I could tell because I get asked this a lot. Um, the coolest story I've got out of my mom is that they were at, it was some sort of music festival. Uh, I think they were listening to the band Alabama and they heard someone yell century in the crowd while she was pregnant with me. And she was like, that's what we're going to name our son. <laughs> so that's the best story I've been able to get yet. Century. So, <laughs> so you, I guess maybe the moral is, I mean, you're, you're never sure what's going to stick. I mean, someone yelled out century at an Alabama concert and it stuck, you know, they gave yep. you rock climbing lessons and it stuck. It stuck. Yep. Right. If you throw enough stuff at the wall, something's going to stick. <laughs> There's an episode title in there somewhere. I'm going to think about that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, before we move on to break right now, what, uh, what do you do to finance your adventures? How do you support your, your, your van life adventures and your travels across the world? Yeah. So I feel like I should start just because of how the timeline goes, but, um, I am a travel nurse. And so, by that definition, I can move every few months and take a new contract. Um, I work about six months out of the year. Um, that's by choice. Um, so financially that is difficult, but, uh, you know, we'd like to dedicate at least six months to adventuring. Um, and so we're, we're pretty tight knit with our finances, but I mean, it, it gives us what we want and gives us the lifestyle that we like to live. Um, and also with travel nursing, I can, I can work in any state, uh, I choose where I work. So that helps us with our adventuring because we can go anywhere. Um, and then with him. Yeah. Well, before we yeah, move so on to century, gonna... before oh, we move yeah, on to yeah. century, just a, a point of interest here. My, my oldest daughter, who was a soccer player who had her career ended in a, a miserable, uh, ankle injury where oh, she no. actually had, eventually had to have her ankle fused. Um, she is now a labor and delivery nurse. So it's interesting that we've gone, we've gone from soccer player to, to nurse, which is is pretty cool. (laughs) And I know that just from my talks with her, she's labor and delivery and she's at, she's at a hospital, uh, really enjoys it. But I know from, from my talks with her that travel nurses, they make additional money, right? There's like a, there's like an added money to that. Yeah. I mean, it's so for us, it works really well because we, um, kind of, we'll get into all that, but like we live in a van and so we don't have to find housing and we don't have to, uh, pay the additional costs that you normally would. So we kind of pocket that money. Um, but there is a good, a good pay for travel nurses and it's Mm -hmm. supposed to supplement duplicating expenses and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and I also do work in intensive care. So for the past couple of years, my, my work has been valuable, shall I say? (laughs) Um, but yeah, so it, it, it is, they do pay you pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. And Sentry, I I have to commend you. Now I'm starting to see a little method to the madness here. You know, despite the Giardia and the Rocky start, I mean, the fact that you're adventuring out there with a travel nurse who specializes in emergency medicine, that's that's yeah. smart guy. Yes, with my list of injuries growing up, I knew I needed somebody in the medical field. 
<laughs> Joke's on him though, because when he gets sick, I'm like, stop being a bitch. Excuse yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get zero sympathy at the house. It backfired for sure. <laughs> oh, not strong in the bedside manner, huh? Hi, Isabel. Yeah, not at home for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Citri, how about you? Yeah, so I went to school for engineering and occupational safety. And I was working as an engineer, or I guess I should say as a safety manager for a construction company uh, for three years out of college. And I loved it. You know, it was good money. It was everything you would want out of a career, good benefits and all that. Uh, But it didn't really give a ton of time for the kind of lifestyle that we like. And I had a lot of passion for other things that you know, I wanted to pursue before I got too old. So I actually quit my job and my field that I went to school for. And I've been pursuing photography for a bit. And then the most recent thing has been van building, which was kind of unexpected at the time. Uh, Whenever I quit, we were building our first van just for us to live in and to travel in. And I mean, I loved the whole process, but I didn't think there would be like a whole lot of value to building a van. Um, but almost immediately after we built it, we had a ton of people show interest in it. And pretty quickly, or within the year, we had that van sold, built another one for ourselves. And then now we're building this van for another family friend. So we've had a ton of people reach out. And if things keep going the way that they're going, I think that van building is probably going to be our new venture. Yeah, I don't have any stats on this, but my sense of just what I see out there on on Instagram uh, and social media and some of the people I've talked to is that the pandemic has kind of uh, made people rethink how they're living their lives and where to spend their time and what to prioritize. And a lot of a lot of folks are uh, taking the van life route. So yeah, for, sure. for sure, it's good market out there. And yeah. honestly, uh, we it's something that we're passionate about. Like we encourage people to get out there. Like this uh, family friend of ours is going to work from their van that we're building. Um, So it's going to be fully functional for that and whatnot. But um, you know, mostly we just, we just want to encourage people to see the world. Like there's so much out there and being from Alabama, a lot of people are stuck in their little bubble. And um, we just really, I don't know. I'm really passionate about that. Just like get out there, like see the world, like live your life. You know, life is short too. We just saw COVID happen. Life is short. Um, you, you need to live while you can. So that's kind of our, our whole path. At least it's my passion behind it. He loves like all, all of it, but yeah, I love the engineering aspect behind it. Um, and also just, you know, post pandemic, so many jobs went remote Yeah, that it's really opened up this, possibility to so many people that it didn't exist for prior yeah um like this person here you know she did have to go into the office prior but now she's working from home full time she always was interested in this kind of thing and now she has the opportunity to pursue it so and when you say this person here you mean the person who is gonna is paying for this van uh, renovation not yeah, not isabel sure. <laughs> yeah, not isabel. <laughs> no no the person we're building the van for got it <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to hear more about the love story, how you guys met and how that all progressed. And we'll get into some, uh, some stories of adventure. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back.
From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muirpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like... My creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Century and Isabel from a the back of a van in Alabama, did you say? Alabama. Yes, Alabama. <laughs> in, in Alabama. I know you're from Alabama. I was trying to remember, did you say you were you were in Alabama at the moment? So, okay. Uh, let's hear about this love story. I, I, I want to hear, we heard about you guys growing up in, independently of each other in different towns. How did you guys end up meeting? So, um, we end up meeting. Um, okay, so let me just start with my part of it and then he'll give you hers, his. Um, I worked for a hospital. I'm a nurse. So I worked at a hospital in Alabama and I met a girl there. Um, well, wait, were you treating doctor. him for one of his injuries in the emergency room? No, I wasn't, but I wish I was. Oh. That would have been, been way cooler. <laughs> um, that would have been really cool, but yeah. no. Um, so I met a girlfriend there and immediately like the same day we met, we just headed off. We like you're my people type of thing. Um, so a week later after we met, she texted me and said, uh, Hey, do you want to go on this backpacking trip in Canada? I've got a bunch of random friends 
coming. Nobody knows each other. Uh, it's going to be really fun. And I said, sure, I'm going to book it. So I booked that trip. Uh, little did I know that she is friend went to college with him and he told him the same, she told him the same thing and he had booked the trip also. So we go to Canada, uh, Banff national park is where we were backpacking and we're on the same trip together and we um just hit it off as friends like we didn't know that we you know whatever it wasn't like love at first sight or anything um and we went on we were backpacking by like near a glacier and it was kind of bad weather that day we were, we were pretty hungover sorry <laughs> <laughs> um we had drank a little bit the night before uh so we all went and started hiking out towards this glacier and uh the rest of our group said okay this is ridiculous we're turning around this is so far away we're not going to do it and we we're kind of bushwhacking we we're definitely off the trail yeah. um so me and him are kind of like we look at each other and we say this is that's so lame like why are you turning around and um we decide we're just going to keep we're just going to keep going um plus a stranger that we met but that's yeah. a whole different story <laughs> um so me and him keep going and the group turns around and we just spent the whole afternoon like backpacking out to this um glacier and again we got back and didn't think anything of it wasn't love for sight like sight we weren't in love with each other at that point but our friends say that when we come back they noticed like it was over it was me and him from that point on okay so yeah. let's pause let's yeah, pause man. for a second because isabel you've been pretty aggressive in saying that it was I'm love sorry. it was not love at first sight you said it twice very clearly and distinctly not not love at first sight I have to check in. I have to check in with my, my boy Sentry here. Sentry, was it was it love at first sight? Um, I mean, so she said no. no obviously, I can't no. say yes. Um, well, maybe no, it, maybe mean, it wasn't love at first was sight for her, but it could have been love at first sight for you. Yeah. Was it yeah. not? No, <laughs> I mean, there was. I would say there was interest, but it wasn't like it wasn't like love at first sight. There was definitely a lot of interest when we got back from the glacier, though. Um, that was kind of the story. Yeah. Should I tell <laughs> no, not, not we'll get not to that. Yet. Should I tell but it? I mean, the, the hike to the glacier was, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I guess you could call it a hike. The bushwhack to the glacier was pretty aggressive. And Isabel was like in shorts, like totally scratched up legs and arms. And I was like, wow, like, I don't think I've ever met a girl that would just get after it <laughs> like this. Like it she caught my attention for sure. And, uh, yeah, we just had a lot of time to ourselves and, Definitely a lot of interest. I wouldn't call it love at first sight, but. Okay. We'll characterize it as strong interest at first sight. Yeah. That sounds I like good. that. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. I said, I said to ask, had to ask Sentry. <laughs> fair. Yeah, it's fair. Were we, I think, was it you? Uh, no, it was you. We are oh. still telling the story. We got oh. back from the glacier. Uh, I think that was it. And then our friends said that's where it was like we were together at that point. And, and we didn't know. We were just like really good friends. Once we got back yeah. from Canada, we spent literally every second together. And yeah. we weren't like in any type of relationship for a couple of months. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was kind of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so then what happens next? I understand that you you then headed off to Kilimanjaro. Isabel? Yeah. So I had had that booked and through that same friend, um, I hope, I hope I'm portraying this correctly, but basically within a week that I met that friend at work, her name is Taylor. 
um hi taylor <laughs> um within she actually does have a trail name it is time bomb so shout out like hi time time bomb <laughs> anyway <laughs> um, there's got to be a good story behind that trail name i'll have to reach out to time bomb see if she'll come on the show and share that no definitely yeah, she would love sure. to um she actually is dating somebody who is actually pretty big in the uh whitewater kayaking world he's um on a documentary and stuff anyway uh so back to me (laughs) 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 um i don't even know what i was talking about kilimanjaro yeah so uh that same week that she reached out to me to go to canada with these random friends she texted me a link to uh whoa women's high on adventure uh to go climb kilimanjaro with a group of women and i said hell yes and we put a deposit down that day so within a week of knowing each other uh we were going to climb kilimanjaro the next year so uh that happened we went to canada we hit it off um i extended my trip to kilimanjaro for like two months and that's when he met me in Cachiardia. we've already talked about that <laughs> yeah. yeah so pretty quickly after canada i would say what maybe like a week he booked that trip to yeah, egypt yeah. we had when we got back from canada there was probably a month gap before yeah. we took off to egypt together so i mean we we literally had just met each other hung out like every weekend in between yeah and then she was like hey do you want to go to egypt with me after this trip and i was like uh only been out of the country to canada but sure i'll go to egypt and yeah it's we were together since yeah. then that was it now isabel did you get to get to the top of kilimanjaro i sure did it was on international women's day and we stood at the top of that mountain and celebrated it was awesome i actually took a little shooter um but i was pretty high on altitude so i did not take that shooter <laughs> but me and Taylor, we had it in our backpacks. We carried it up and then all the way back down. And then we took it. (laughs) You carried that extra weight and didn't use it at the top. We did. I know we were, we were, yeah, we were not. Okay. (laughs) It was my first time at altitude and it was 19,000 feet. So it was a bit much. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine. Now you kind of glossed over really quickly. um, Women high on adventure acronym. Whoa. Tell us a little bit about that group. Yeah. So, um, it is, whoa, women high on adventure. It's a group, um, that brings women together to go on international adventures or, uh, local adventures as well. But, um, they go from anywhere from Patagonia, which I just did a trip with, whoa, uh, led a trip to Patagonia. And then we extended our trip, uh, Kilimanjaro, they do Peru, Oktoberfest. I mean, all over the world. Um, it's just women. It's a big community of women who want to adventure, but maybe don't have the friends who want to do it with them. Um, and so it's pretty cool is when I went on my first Kilimanjaro trip, I was a client and the girls that I went on, I mean, we're like sisters now, like we're best friends. Um, we talk the two of them are having babies right now. Um, and they texted us pictures and stuff like, it's just a huge community of women who love the outdoors, who want to climb mountains, like move mountains, like get outdoors and have this big, um, family of people who can, who they can do it with. Um, I hope I did that justice. I feel like there's so much more to it than that. Uh, it's really cool, but that's the gist of it. Well, you sounded, you were pretty excited when you were talking about it and it sounds pretty cool. So I think you you did a great job there. Okay, (laughs) cool. 
Now take us, uh, let's fast forward from the Giardia story in the back of the back of the motorcycle moped, uh, getting you to the hospital. Let's fast forward to this moment on top of Shasta. Oh, yes. yep. you should tell it. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell that part. Um, so I had also never climbed a mountain and then somehow came up with the idea to propose on top of a 14er a mountaineering route. Uh, yeah. On, on a mountaineering route. I had never been at any kind of altitude or anything like that, but, um, yeah, we had been dating for, I guess, Couple two, years. two years at that point. And, you know, eventually you decide that, you know, it's time to propose. And I, I couldn't really figure out how I wanted to do it. And I knew that it couldn't like, neither one of us were really interested in like, like getting a whole big group of people or like doing the surprise ceremony with a photographer in the distance. Like that wasn't really our thing. And, uh, we had been interested in climbing Shasta, but it was like one of those like side conversations that you never really pursue. So I was like, yeah, like we'll go for that. That sounds like a good plan. And yeah, we planned the trip, um, totally not knowing if I was actually going to be able to make it to the top of the mountain or if any of us would make it. And yeah, luckily the trip went super smooth. Uh, we did it totally unguided. Luckily the mountain was crowded enough that anytime <laughs> it got sketchy, we, we could just hop in behind a guided group and just kind of follow their tracks. We knew what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, we totally knew what we were doing. Um, yeah, but we made it. And then the plan was to propose on the summit, but we got up there. It was kind of chaotic on the summit. So right when we came off, uh, I was going to do it right in front of the summit. It's like this little flat area. And I was trying to convince Isabel to take a picture with me. I was like, no, no, like this is a great picture opportunity. We should totally stop here. And she was like, no, I'm freaking exhausted. I want to get down this mountain. She's like, I'm over it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of like altitude sick at this point. I'm like, am I making a, de a good decision? Should we just skip it? Should I do another thing? Uh, luckily she did decide to take the picture and uh, yeah, we have like a whole photo series of me proposing and then her falling down to the ground. I'm not <laughs> sure if it was like, from the altitude or because she was excited or in shock, but we'll go with it's because she was excited. <laughs> what a story. A century. That's pretty bold. Picking an activity like uh, getting to the top of Shasta and, and proposing, not sure if you're able to do it, or if she's able to do it, but that that's the moment you picked. We're going to do it this way. And it all worked out. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. I got to give another shout out to Time Bomb, our friend Taylor, because she oh, yeah. was up there with us and she took those photos. Yeah, she did take all the photos and then she actually hid the ring for me the entire time. So. <laughs> yeah, she was a, a critical part of that plan. Now, Isabel, I have to ask, did you have any inkling when he invited you to, to Shasta and also invited Time Bomb, uh, any inkling whatsoever that this could be something special, that he was planning something? I had zero zero inkling and which which is what i asked him before i was like i do not want to know i don't have my nails done that's that's lame like i don't ever do that anyway um but anyway no i had no idea he had actually in december uh for christmas he had gifted me a trip back to banff over the summer where we met so i thought you know maybe but i had also i'm sorry i'd also <laughs> told him that i i wanted a nice ring and I really didn't think he could afford it at that time. Um, so so much faith in me. <laughs> I had 
no idea. And then I tried to bail on Shasta like the week before I was like, kind of nervous but I was kind of I was kind of putting a cover over it like oh what if the weather is bad like we you know we don't know what we're doing um and then Taylor kept being like stop being a bitch kind of thing um so yeah we anyway we went up there and it was it, I had no idea that's probably why I fell over in the snow but I had no idea well that was my second question did you fall over because of altitude uh, just lack of oxygen or was it just total surprise and astonishment and uh total joy at the moment a hundred percent. It was shocked. I mean, I was so fully shocked. It, I, it had come from being pissed at taking a picture, like literally like this in a picture, <laughs> if you're watching the YouTube portion, but I was angry yeah. to, oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> uh, this is happening. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was amazing though. It was the perfect, I mean, for us, it was the perfect proposal. Yeah. I love that century. She was pissed at you. She was pissed that she had to take that picture. She had that, that, face, that look on her face. And, and you still, despite that you carried through, you, you asked the question. I figured if I hiked all the way to the top of this mountain, I have to ask the question. Couldn't waste the opportunity. Fantastic. And not only did you get, get, not only did you propose to her on top of Shasta, but you also have some other mountains and outdoor activities involved with the the rest of your romantic story where did you guys get married and where did you guys honeymoon yeah so i feel like i'm taking over everything that's fine um go ahead so we actually got married just like in the courthouse like nothing too crazy and then we did our was it the courthouse in nepal i feel like i should (laughs) tell this story let me tell it he probably he hates it. love. He hates love. Yeah, I, I mean it. it. <laughs> but you, you seem to be so good at it, Century. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I mean, we did our elopement in Yosemite on nice. Tap Point, so but that was like the that was the excitement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm he's, sure I left a lot of details out. No, it's fine. I'm but in trouble. So later. Century's Century's version of events. Century's version of events, Isabel, is we got married in a courthouse and then we went to Yosemite. Is there more to the story? Except for. There is more to the story. So we did get married in South Lake Tahoe, surrounded by all our friends that they had no idea that we were going to sign papers that night. Um, we just happened to have the court papers drawn up. Yeah. Um, and, and we our got- Our friend was going to be the minister. So yeah. So anyway, there. she signed it and we were basically doing it for insurance reasons at that point. Yeah. Um, and then we were going to have our ceremony, quote unquote, ceremony um, in Banff, where we met. <laughs> Uh, the summer of 2020 and Canada closed their borders because of COVID. And so that did not happen. Um, so we just, I mean, we were just going to like have a little ceremony on top of a mountain, uh, with our close friends. We were going to hike up and whatever. Um, not a big deal. Drink a bunch of beer, you know, good stuff. Um, and so that that didn't happen. There's that cooler of beer again. We're going to have that (laughs) big cooler of beer and it was going to be great. (laughs) Um, anyway, that didn't happen. So, the next year we were in, I had an assignment in Bishop, California, which is a really tiny town on the Eastern Sierra side. Oh, um, we are very, we are very familiar with Bishop. You know, this is the John oh, freaking your pod. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was on assignment there and we had some friends that we reached out to, um, like within the same month, we, I texted them and said, Hey, you know, I just really want like a couple of wedding photos. Like we, can we do like our vows in Yosemite and would you take our pictures? Um, 
and they said, yes, you know, we picked a date within two weeks and I like ordered a dress off Facebook marketplace for like a hundred bucks. And, um, we went out there and we took some photos and they were awesome. We did a little ceremony. Our parents like flew out and stuff. It was pretty beautiful. It was perfect for us. Yeah. I guess you told that story a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I mean, 2020, you guys are still pretty much newlyweds. Any, any babies yet? Oh, oh no. no, we have a dog and a cat. Actually, that, Those that are was my. my I, I knew the answer. I knew the answer to that question. Okay. I was. I was trying to get to the fur babies. So you, yeah, you get okay. to it. Go ahead, because I have in my notes here that you have the cutest pup and cat ever. Ever. Yeah. yeah I mean, ever. Uh, Fitzy and Ollie. Uh, Oliver's our firstborn. He is a black rescue cat. Um, he is seventeen pounds. He's, He's a massive. massive little kitty cat. Yeah. He's a big boy. Um, He's yeah. huge. He is a domestic long hair rescue <laughs> and he's very sweet. And our dog is Fitzy or Fitz um, is his name. And he was uh, a rescue as well. He kind of showed up to his parents' house. He was, um, you know, in Piedmont, Alabama, they get a lot of stray dogs. And so yeah. we kind of took him in. Yep. Are dogs just running wild in Piedmont? <laughs> yes and no. Uh, we kind of live out in the stick. So it's not uncommon for people to dump this sounds terrible um people will dump like puppies and stuff out in that area so we we've recovered quite a few dogs our house is borderline like a dog zoo and uh yeah he just showed up he was already like a year old we think maybe six months to a year and we like searched for an owner for what four or five months yeah. yeah no one claimed him and he was like the sweetest dog ever so when we moved to california for my job you just came with us and yep it's been with nice. us the and is time. he is he kind of a mix or is he a specific breed yeah we're pretty sure he's a mix he looks like a husky german shepherd and maybe some lab not 100 percent sure he's super okay. cute yeah mm-hmm. and he's got a perfect mask around his face he's really cute nice you know there's dna tests for dogs now yeah, we're, we're so cheap. We're we keep so wanting cheap. to do it, but we're like, eh, like we don't really. Need to like, we're so practical. He, he's a cute dog. He's ours. Like we're keeping him anyways. Yeah, and these these DNA tests are incredible because my my son had his dog tested, and he's also a rescue. Got him tested, yeah. and not only does it come back and tell you, you know, what what kinds of breeds and what percentage. I mean, he's like he's two percent this and two percent that and seventeen percent this, and it tells you the percentages of the breeds in the dog. But then it also tells you about relatives nearby in the in the family oh, tree. He's got, he's got a he's got a brother named Boomer and a a uh, not a brother but a, a near relative named Ollie. You know, living you know in in so Palmdale. And so it's, wow. it's, uh, it's, it's almost like, you know, you go out and you do a DNA test for a human and you find out about, you know, where your family's from and, and any distant relatives. It's, it's really bizarre. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. We need to do it. We, we keep delaying, but we should definitely do it. No. We had a rescue dog that passed last year and he was a bit of a, a, a grumpy old man. And uh-huh. my daughter got us a DNA test for, for Peter. His name was Peter. And it, it says you have to, it's this brush with like bristles on it. Right. And you, it says to, to do it in his mouth, you know, three or four times. I'm like, I'm going to get bit. I and mean, he's not going to, he's not going to put up with me putting a bristle brush in his mouth for three or four times. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ours would not like that either. Yeah, he would not be a fan. I'm very sorry for the loss though. Yeah. 
All right. Hey, let's move on to some stories of adventure. So I have a number of things here in the list that are very intriguing. Um, how, how has van life been going for you guys? Is it enough space? It's no, yeah. never. <laughs> yeah, there's never enough space. But um, prior to living in the van, we had lived in our travel trailer for like two, three, three years, years yeah. going on. So it was really just like a slow downsizing effect for us. So moving into the van wasn't too much of an issue, uh, but it's definitely, there's definitely a learning curve. It is a very small space to share with two people and two dogs or two animals. So I always like to say, like I I said this the other day, we don't love, like we don't like living in a van. We don't like to live in a small space. It's not fun to live in this tiny box but we love what it gives us. We love the opportunity of travel and adventure and we love getting outdoors and we love that we're mobile and we love that we're not attached to one specific area. So it's a trade-off. Um, we, we don't like to poop in a toilet beside my spouse. We don't like (laughs) this. This is like too much. I'm sorry. Um, but we don't like to, you know, shower at a gym. We don't like to do laundry at a laundry facility, but we love what it gives us. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a give and take, there's a give and take in any, any situation, right? If you know, you just have to prioritize. And if you want to live in a big house, I mean, there are things that come with a big house. There's property taxes, there's lawns to mow, there's a, you know, a pool to clean or whatever, whatever you, you may have to do. And you're, you're tethered to that. I mean, that you, that's where you're going to be spending the majority of your time van life. There's a give and take with that as well. And the, the give is that you get to be on the move, you're mobile and you get to see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought we froze, honestly. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a former educator. I'm, I'm a former educator. So I, I, I use good wait time to see, you know, if anything else will develop yeah. there. That was a funny moment. I like that. That was good. I, I really enjoyed it. Kind of like yeah. holding off. I was holding off. Like I felt like we were going to stare off and I was feeling it. Yeah. And then I thought there was a lag, but then I was like, well, I don't, I'm not really sure if this is a lag or if it's kind of an awkward <laughs> silence. I'm not sure what to do here. Watching the the looks on your faces as that moment just stretched on a little bit. That was classic. Again, if you're listening to this, you need to you need to watch this on YouTube. Okay. Now, which one of you or is it both of you is a runner? Oh, this um, is funny. Um yeah. no, neither. Yeah, neither, neither. One I mean, neither. Why do I have marathon in the, in the show notes then? No. Okay. So that's actually, that's me because that's, that's important to me. Like that's one of those things where, um, I said it it was one of those things where I hate, I hate running. I hate running. He's never been a runner. We don't like to run. Um, but I said that I will run a marathon before I die. I just will. I don't know why there's, there's no reason for it. I want to do it and I'm going to do it. And so, um, I told him that pretty early on. And then I just like never signed up for a marathon. And one day he came to me and he said, I signed up for this marathon. You can come cheer me on or you can do it. (laughs) And so of course I had to do it. (laughs) Yeah, It was one of those things that we were going to just talk about forever and never do unless we got financially invested in it. it. So I just went ahead and bit the bullet and did it one day on a whim. Cause I, I definitely went in waves of like, yes, I do want to do this. And the next day I'd be like, no, like there's no way I'm going to commit to doing that. So 
on one of the good days, I just pulled the trigger and yeah. And you're locked in at that point. Yeah. The best thing about running a marathon is being able to tell people, Hey, I ran a marathon. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Check yeah. that one off the list for <laughs> yeah. sure. That's right. Yeah. And it, as I, as I asked about the Giardia story, did it live up to the hype? Um, for me, no, I would never run another one. Um, it was yeah. like, the hype was so real. Like, I'm glad I did it. Like check, check the list off for real. But, yeah. uh, the, no, I would not do that again. It was uh, terrible. Yeah. We, we kind of had opposite experiences. <laughs> she, she absolutely hated every like training day, like pretty much the entire part of the race, except for the finish. And then I, I weirdly discovered like a passion for running. I'm not like a super avid runner now, but like the whole process was kind of fun to me and I enjoyed the race. So definitely different experiences on it. Yeah. I mean, there are people out there who love running, but I, even, even I would say the majority of runners don't love running. They do it for one reason or another, yeah. uh, stay yeah. in shape, yeah. stay healthy. You know, yeah. I, I run to eat, you know, the, the more I run, yeah. it means the more I can eat. So the more beer you can drink. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, uh, you know, running a marathon, quite an accomplishment. 26.2 miles is a long way to drive in a car, let alone, let alone run. So congratulations to the both of you on that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I feel lame, like even saying that, but I feel like it's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, sorry. I, you know, I, I tell my son, he's run a few marathons. Uh, I've done four. He's done three, I think, at this point. And I think I'm 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 done at four. I think that's it. I, yeah. I, I, I don't see that's, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a ton. But um, I tell him, I said, how many people on the planet? How many people on the planet have run twenty six point two miles? Right. At one time. Not, not many. Um, no. Mm-mm. Very yeah. small percent. Very small percent. So, don't don't feel like you're you're acting right. weird or anything. That's a, that's a big accomplishment. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's talk about uh, some rock climbing. Okay. Let's in uh, centuries, centuries, rock climbing lessons. Uh, they obviously paid off. Uh, you, you guys have done some climbing in Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done a little climbing in Yosemite. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing too crazy yet, but we have some big goals there. Um, especially now that we're mobile in the van and we're hoping we can spend like an entire climbing season just in Yosemite and really hitting some of those bigger goals. And he's downplaying it. He leads everything I follow and clean. Um, so he does all the hard work and he does some, I mean, not hard routes, but big routes. He does a lot of multi-pitch routes, um, three or four pitches in Yosemite. Um, and he does it without, you know, taking any credit. He get, he'll like take pictures of me and I pretend like I got the credit type of thing, <laughs> but he, he does all of it. Like he's really good. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and, and what what are some of your what are some of your goals with multi-pitch rock climbing century what are you hoping to do um i guess our biggest goal is definitely up half dome um and then of course like the most classic answer is the nose or anything on l cap um i guess some of the more realistic ones would be royal arches um definitely the, the regular northwest face of half dome I think that's doable for us. Um, and then I think some that we could probably tick off in the next year would be out in Tuolumne Meadows, like Mathis Crest. Um, we did Connus. Yeah, Mount Connus. That's virgin on mountaineering. 
and um, yeah, there's there's a ton. There's a ton of I can't think of them off the top of my head, <laughs> right. but I have like a whole guide just with highlighted routes that I want to do. Now we're, we're this is not the adventure media recommendation, but I just have to throw out there a few documentaries that I've seen that I love that uh, get me fired up for rock climbing. Although I'll I'll never do it. Um, one is, did you see Valley Uprising? Oh yeah, I've watched classic. it. Oh, so many. Classic, classic, awesome. Of course, um, Free Solo. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And I always say that even though I knew the outcome of that experience, I, I I saw it in an IMAX theater and I was watching, you know, through my fingers. It was just oh, so yeah, uncomfortable to watch that so whole process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and it's so true what they say in the video that like when you know how difficult what he's actually doing is, it's even more intense, worse, I feel like, because yeah. you know what the chances of him falling off actually are. It's yeah. wild. Yeah, and how about the Don Wall? Did you see that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, okay. one, that one should get way more credit, honestly. Yeah, it got a little uh, overshadowed by Free Solo. Yeah, sure, Tommy but... Caldwell is like the OG, and he, yeah. he's, he's such a badass. Um, yeah. that, that really deserves a lot. Yeah, yeah, that was a good that's story. I agree. Incredible film, and he's doing it with nine fingers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the most unlucky guy ever to like be a professional rock climber and cut a finger off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about here, and you know what? I apologize. We're gonna have to pick and choose. Uh, you guys are gonna have to come on for another episode to talk about uh, the rest of your adventures. There's a lot of good stuff here that I know I want to hear about. I, I'm sure our listeners would want to hear it as well. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of pick pick a couple of things here. We'll talk about, and then we'll get to the ending sec- segments of the episode. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah, yeah, of course. Can I get a commitment from you to come back on the podcast? Darn, yeah, we're gonna sure. have to. Yeah, <laughs> twist my arm a little harder. Okay. All right. Um, what kinds of backpacking experience do you have? What what trips have you taken? So we've done a lot of um, small trips. Yeah, like smaller. We do. We're a lot of weekend warrior kind of people. Uh, yeah. Like the AT and the PCT. We've done a bunch of like weekend stuff. Um, we've done. I mean, backpacking Kilimanjaro. We consider a backpacking trip. And then we were just in Patagonia for a month. We did a couple of big backpacking trips out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the longest we've done is eight days, kind of like a week. Uh, we've done a few different trips of that sort. Yeah. And then um, with our climbing trips, a lot of those are simultaneously backpacking trips yeah. as well. Um, just a couple nights type of thing. So yeah, yeah, right. And on the climbing trips, you have to cl- you have to carry in the rope. Definitely. Yeah. You carry in all the gear. So you end up with like a monster pack for like a lot of your Alpine routes, which is really what I've gotten into recently. It's just like, you have to climb or hike like thousands of feet just to get to the base of the climb. And then you camp there. Carrying all your beaners and rope. It's super heavy. Yeah. And mostly we we've built our climbing rack out of like sport climbing and like low pitch trad climbing gear so we don't have any ultra like like alpine style climbing gear so like we've got to transition into that but yeah it's just like backpacking like all the ultra light gear super expensive right and so how how much total weight were you carrying do you think Uh, on like a classic like overnight climbing right type uh at least 40 pounds each yeah 40 to 50 pounds each at least yeah yeah oof that's a lot (laughs) (laughs) that makes my back hurt just thinking about it Uh, all right yeah before we move on here please tell me the story of half dome with the cables down 
say it because it's kind of a long story. Um, So we had hiked half down before uh, regularly. And one of my girlfriends was coming into town who I played um, college soccer with. Her name is Skylar. Um, And she had never done any rock climbing or anything like that. Um, I told her, we have an adventure in store for you. And she said, okay, cool. Uh, So we pick her up from the airport and we drive straight to Yosemite, stopping only one time at the grocery store to pick up a bunch of beer. Um, So we camp the night before um, (laughs) and we drink way too much beer. Yeah, for the 4 a.m. Um, wake up call. And we have a 4 a.m. to go climb Half Dome. This is before the season opens, before the cables are put up. Um, so we go out and all we have are a couple of cliff bars each um, and a little bit of water. And we go up there, climb the 5,000 feet to get to Subdome, and it's covered in snow. We don't have any snow gear. Yeah. Um, our friend Taylor or Time Bomb had come with us. She had carried uh, one set of yak tracks or spikes. And, uh, one of us, I don't remember who had one set of trekking poles. So there were four of us total, two of us each had one yak track and the other two had one pole each. And we go up subdome in the snow. I mean, like we're post holding knee deep in the snow going up like this rock face. (laughs) Skylar has no, um, no she doesn't even experience. really like, hike, backpack, uh, do anything. She hikes a lot, but, oh, yeah. but she doesn't do any type of climbing or like uh, snow gear. Anyway, yeah. so we get up subdome and uh, we only have two cliff bars each. So we're starving and very yeah. thirsty and a little bit hungover. And uh, anyway, we so so we strap on our um, our uh, harnesses and our pressics and we we uh, kind of get our way up. Yeah. half dome itself <laughs> and if anyone's not familiar with what cables down means the uh the steel cables stay there year round when they put the cables up they just put the supports for the cables and the wooden slats that you walk up so you so, walk up a staircase and, yeah. and when the cables down quote unquote uh yeah. the staircase is not there so you yeah, have to cables just land hook your rock. climbing gear up to the cable and so you have to press it and pull yourself up but anyway um that was really fun and we did make it and we were exhausted but uh, yeah, we're, we're laughing about it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a big day for sure. It definitely sounds like type two fun. It wasn't fun when it was going on, but uh, fun to talk about it afterwards. Definitely. <laughs> no, I know. I know from firsthand experience that half dome half dome is terrifying with, with when the cables are up and, and people have died yeah. on, on half dome yeah. and just envisioning you guys uh, out there with the cables down in those kinds of conditions and what it took to get to there, get to that point, and then yeah. and then ascend. I mean that that's that's wild. It was a good day. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. unfortunately, we're going to put all the rest of the great talking points on hold. Put them on the back burner until the follow up episode with Sentry and Isabel. Uh, guys, you know where we are right now. Um, where are we? I don't know. The pro. Oh, it's the. Uh, the- Yes, <laughs> that's right. It's time for the pro tip inside of the week. And again, I'm excited because we get two for one here. Uh, this is where you share a little bit of trail wisdom or travel wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So who wants to go first? Um, I can go first. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, I guess for me, pro tip. Um, 
really anytime I go on like a climbing trip or any sort of backpacking trip, uh, carrying a good mid layer is such a lame pro tip, <laughs> but like <laughs> a good solid mid layer is probably my favorite layer because if I'm just wearing like uh, an athletic tee, I can get cold. If I'm wearing my puffy some mornings, I'll like sweat too much. But I found that if I wear my, uh, they make fun of me because I always call it out by name, the Patagonia R1. It's hands down probably my favorite piece of clothing. It's discontinued now. Sorry. Do they not make it anymore? That's such a bummer. Yeah, it's like the best mid-layer I've ever found. And it regulates temperature so good that I can wear it in almost any condition from like 30 degrees to around 70 degrees. Nice. Nice. How about you, Isabel? Um, so mine's going to be a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> why am I not surprised? Uh, I know, I know. I'm anyway. Uh, so this is something that I would never, ever, ever invested in. I'm, we're pretty frugal people and we don't like to spend money where we don't have to. Um, but <laughs> for all you ladies out there, um, you should invest in a great Moreno wool underwear. Uh, I get the thong version. I'm sorry. This is TMI, uh, but it changed my life. It's $30 a pair. Uh, it's from icebreaker. That's the brand I would suggest. Um, it's very, uh, breathable. And when you're on a multi-day trip and you don't have a shower, um, this is way more important than you would think. And I really saw the price tag and I said, no, no, no for years. And then I got a pair and now I have a lot of pairs. So, Anyway, <laughs> that's my pro tip. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Isabel, congratulations. This is like episode 155 of the podcast. And the first the first pro tip involving a merino wool thong. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of a kind. This is great. And you know what? You know, with the, having said that. Having said that, we, we, we have to have arrived at a trail name for you by this point. I mean, there are so many, so many stories. What do you think, Sentry? Is there anything in there that we can, we can pull from? I don't know. I mean, there's got to be something. I feel like I can't give it to you, though. I just know too much. I'll say fair. no if he yeah. gives it to me. I feel like. Yeah, if I suggest anything, it'll be I wrong, feel like so. I don't know. I feel like it has to come uh, from the trail. Yeah, what do you Maybe. think? Do you, I mean, do you have anything off the top of your head? just so many inappropriate ones though i don't think she'd like them so i don't, I don't even want to put them out there I, I just i just let it let it hang out yeah. there like that it just let people wonder. We're hoping the century would put them out there yeah, yeah i don't want to, be one to put it out there i have to live with her so I have to that's be right careful here. that's right smart all right so there you that's have slippery. it that's it what's it say that again oh i was just saying that's a slippery slope for him anyway but slippery slope Slippery slope, sentry and slippery slope. Is that it? That might that be, it. be it. That that might be it. So many things we talked about tonight. We're on a slippery slope. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Okay, try it out. You know, use that in your your regular life for a while. Nurse yeah. slippery slope to the uh, to the nurses station, please. Nurse slippery slope. <laughs> Maybe we'll go S squared. <laughs> oh, I like it. S squared. Very good. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Sentry and Slippery Slope. I want to thank them for joining <laughs> us this week. 
Hey, how can our listeners keep up with you two on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah, so you can keep up with us at our Instagram, which is operation.adventure. And then I don't know if you then, want to talk about the Yeah, website and then our website um, where we put like all our blog posts on how you can do the things that we do. Um, operation-adventure.com. Um, so yeah, check us out there. And you can always DM us, ask us any questions. We are available uh, for anything and we love to meet new people. Yeah, for sure. Yes, I can confirm they're very responsive unless they're in Patagonia, then they're, they're out of time. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> All right. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamere at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Oh, there's, uh, there's half-calf again. Hey guys, I'm also looking to you two to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the outdoors. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Um, I've actually got two. So there's a good book uh, called The Sierra Phantom that I'd never heard of. I've never seen it advertised. Uh, I Did found that one it, more time. Uh, you broke you broke up just a little bit, Sentry. Say the title again. It's called The Sierra Phantom. And okay. it's... It's a really good book about a guy from Bishop who lived in the mountains, essentially. And then there's a really great YouTube channel. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I think it's Tyler Caro for anyone that's a climber. Um, pretty low-key YouTube channel, but he posts incredible climbing content. All GoPro footage, like just super personal climbing content. Okay. Hey, before I forget, have you guys seen Wide Boys? Uh, I've seen it advertised a lot. I've never watched it because I can't find the free version. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so cheap. So it's cheap. so bad, but it's wild, wild yeah. documentary. Wide Boys. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Isabel, what do you have? Um, I guess there's a couple of documentaries that I really like, and a recent one would be. Well, there's a few. Uh, these are pretty, I feel like they're like classic now, but The Alpinist uh, is one and 14 Peaks is another. I'm sure you've all heard of it. And then kind of an older one would be Meru. Um, that's a pretty gnarly uh, documentary. And I would totally suggest that for anybody, even if you're not into outdoors, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, all, all I think we've mentioned six or seven documentaries uh, in this episode, all of them <laughs> top notch, top notch. Top notch. You need to check them out if you haven't seen them. So, definitely. Okay. What have we not asked you? Oh wow, half cap really getting wild there. This is uh, this is our last segment here. Before we wrap things up, got one more segment for you. Call. What have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What did we leave out that we can we can fit into this episode? Okay, I'm gonna fit this in, and I'm excited about it, and I'm gonna turn this on you. watch out. Um, anyway, so the thing that we haven't told you is that we, well, you might've, it's pretty, you might've known this, this, but we love beer. We love craft beer. Um, and so it it came up a number of times. Yes, it did. (laughs) (laughs) Could you give us the recommendation for your favorite craft beer or brewery? And if you don't like beer, that's totally fine. You can put that to us. I I didn't, I'm not even hesitating. I've got a recommendation for you. Have you guys ever tried uh, a lesion space dust okay no i I haven't i actually have and it's fantastic 
It is fantastic. It's an IPA. I actually, I reached out to them to see if they want to be a, the official IPA sponsor of the John Frick and Muir pod. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. I, I never heard back from them, though. Not, 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 <laughs> I'm not surprised, but you know, I thought I'd just give it a shot. Just yeah, give it a the shot. The worst thing yeah. could say shoot is Shoot your no. shot. <laughs> right. Shoot your shot. That's exactly it. Okay. So How about you guys? What, 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 is your, what is your favorite, each of you? Okay, well, that's easy for me. I have a couple. Um, Ten Barrel Brewing, the Cucumber Sour. It is absolutely delicious. It is, if you if you do like sours, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's delicious. Cucumber Sour, amazing. Everybody out there, should I say it again? The Cucumber Sour from Ten Barrel <laughs> Brewing is fantastic. Um, but second to that, I actually found an amazing beer down in South America. Uh, it's called the Calafate beer and it ta- it's from like the Calafate berry in South America. And it has like this little tang of, uh, blueberry almost, but yeah, it's not similar. sweet. It's delicious. Yeah. Um, so that would be one recently that I found that I like. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and then my favorite is like an old time favorite from a local brewery in Birmingham, Alabama. It's trim tab IPA. That's a good one. Yeah. It's super good. And yeah, it's probably the only one that's like super notable right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if slippery slope doesn't work, maybe cucumber sour. <laughs> <laughs> I love the cucumbers that you have to try it. I'm going to send you one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap from the John Freaky Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family? Uh, I guess I have to give a shout out to Time Bomb Taylor for uh, not allowing me to tell her story, but I did anyway. And then I have to give a shout out to Skylar, who's also our Half Dome uh, friend. So I'll give a shout out to those two. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess a shout out to my family. Just they were very skeptical when I told them I was going to quit my perfectly good job to live this absolutely crazy lifestyle. So they've been super supportive the whole time. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you to Century's parents for those climbing lessons. It, uh, it all it all stemmed from there. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're hanging on for dear life on the back of a moped with a terrible case of Giardia. The trail (laughs) is the trail. Embrace the suck.